0: Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo, and I am just honored to share a Firebird Award-winning author with you. She is Joni Irachi, and her book is titled Reinventing Jenna Rose. Joni is a retired registered nurse who, after raising three children, returned to college to pursue her dream of becoming a writer. She earned a BFA in liberal studies with a concentration in literature and creative writing. Then she earned an MFA in creative writing from Columbia University in her 60s and published Reinventing Jenna Rose shortly thereafter. Her second novel is currently under consideration with several traditional publishers. The third is in progress. Several short stories can be found in online literary journals, too. And I have been waiting patiently for our time together, so welcome to the network, Joni. Thank you so much,
1: Pat. I'm so honored to be here, and thank you for all you do for women. It's so inspiring. We really appreciate it, hearing about what you do. Well,
0: thank you. So, um, I'm so honored. <laughs> oh, I'm honored to have you here as well. Um, I didn't share this in your bio, but I understand that you are a fellow cat mom. Oh,
1: yes. Uh, I would recently moved out of New York, but while I was in New York, I had Oh, so many rescue cats. They just seemed to find me. There must have been a sign somewhere. Um, I ended up getting little heated houses, and they all lived on my porch. And they were feral, but n- really not. They were, they were labeled feral, but. No, they sat on my lap. <laughs> so, oh. yeah, and you know, they they were many of them were compromised, and you compromised. So they ended up dying or relocated to the humane society. And New Rochelle was very helpful in New Rochelle, New York. And they they took one and I kind of took her under their wing. So I feel, and I have one here with me who's always right next to me. <laughs> She's my uh, <laughs> yeah. She sometimes sits on the computer. So I, I say she's the real writer.
0: <laughs> <That's so funny. laughs> well, I loved that about you. I, I felt connected to you in that way as well because right now I have 13 of them and they all found me. Um, I, yeah, I didn't solicit yeah, any they of this. Do. They, they find you. They, <laughs> they So I figured they're, if, if they are each unique. Every one of them is unique. It's so, so true. I figure if they find me, there must be a reason. So uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. they're my buddies too. Well, listen, <laughs> exactly. congratulations on the book win. That was exciting too
1: that was very exciting. I was amazed. I was blown
0: away and so exciting. Well, I'm happy about that. You're welcome. Before we get into that, though, I want to talk a bit about your going back to school at a later age. Tell us a bit about that.
1: Well, I lived not too far from Sarah Lawrence College in Bronxville, New York, and Every year, for about five years, they would send me a little, I don't know how they got me, but they'd send a little, maybe I inquired, I don't remember, but they sent me a a little notice about their up-and-coming, you know, uh, info session, and I would throw it out because I thought, how could I ever do this? And then my kids were still home, kind of bungee-corded to the nest in and out, you know, and very able to be capable to be on their own. So I said, oh, let me check it out. So I, I went. I couldn't open the door, so I thought that was an omen. <laughs> but somebody opened the door for me, and I went. It was an old rickety building, and I went inside, and there, there had to be at least two hundred people squished into this, um, you know, room. And the director of of this program, which was called CCE Continuing College Education for, it was strictly for adults came down the stairs and somehow picked me out of all these people and said, come up to my office. You need to do this. We need to discuss this. And I'd never seen her before. She'd never seen me before. It was so surreal. So I did it. They don't require you take any tests or uh, you just have to, everything was about writing really worked for me. They accepted me. And the rest is history. I went back to school. I was in classes with, you know, very young kids, but everybody was wonderful. The professors couldn't have been better. Sometimes they picked my brain because I had been a nurse, so I would sit in conference and discuss their medical problems in addition to my work. But I I, I was very memorable. I was the eldest graduate in 2013, as well as um, uh, it being. I was interviewed by the newspaper because I was such an oddity. And um, then, uh, yeah, so that was the beginning. I started this novel in a workshop in 2013. Uh, There was a visiting professor who uh, was a novelist, and she was so, her name is Martha Southgate, and she she never gave up on me. She kept giving it back to me and said, eh, work on it some more, work on it some more, and then, it, we were, you know, pretty close in age. So she, she said, "You've come a long way, baby." She wrote on my paper because she knew I would understand it from the Virginia Slims commercial uh-huh. from back in the day. So, <laughs> so I, I kept at it, and then um, I, I reworked it over and over again. It, it. When I look back at it, I'm like, cringe. You know, it's very different. Had a different title, and anyway, I. Um, it you know, I worked on it there, and then it was interesting going back to school with um, you know, kids. A lot of the professors told me I was very brave, but I did discover that there's there's very little humor in academia, so if you Laugh at yourself first—it's disarming. So nobody made fun of me ever. So that was that was uh, fun. And then I got a, I got asked to write for the, North, the school newspaper, which was really you know fun because I I just infused it with humor and I poked fun at how they how they did their. um Uh, You know, registering for classes was so archaic, and you had to go meet with the professors and have an interview with every professor, and then, you know, all kinds of things like that. So I I wrote a whole big, you know, article on that, and then the kid who was in charge of the paper asked me to write about spring break, and I I wasn't going on the Girls Gone Wild bus for spring break. I was taking my 90-year-old father to Florida, so I didn't think (laughs) they would... Be interested in that, so I kind of backed away. Um, then you know I I, we, I graduated and Vera Wang Vera Wang gave the talk. So if you Google me, we both come up, which is really funny. So um, yeah, and then I went I I took uh, some time off and I got picked for jury duty, which was a blessing because. I had written 35 pages of a court scene for Jenna Rose and based basically on Law & Order reruns. And um, then I got picked for jury, and I was on jury for two months. The, the um, I got picked for jury and accepted to Columbia on the same day. And I thought, they call you up to accept you into the MFA program, and I, I really thought it was a joke. So I kept saying, "Who are you?" <laughs> to the professor who was calling me. I'm like, "This can't be right. I, I'm so unlucky. I just got picked for two months of jury duty." But <laughs> uh, anyway, the jury the jury ended. Uh, the, that session ended, and I just got the whole lay of the land of the court, how they stood, what you know, how they spoke, and the judge. Uh, his wife. I, I met with the judge after. He's very kind. And his wife was a writer. So he answered all my questions and, you know, clarified all my mistakes. I threw out the thirty five pages and started over. And that was just you know, it just it just worked out, you know, it worked. It just seemed to be meant to be. So wow. that's what happened. Yeah, and then I went to Columbia and um, you know, that that was um Really um, wonderful, and I had my uh, my story was workshopped again in a, a different way and uh, presented as my thesis. So it was the best of times and worst of times. I um, I found uh, that my life experience made me the go-to person for some of the young writers. And they picked my brain as I as they wrote medical stories or stories set in my era, and I picked their technologically savvy brains because formatting and maneuvering the computer was a struggle and they were very kind hearted they helped a lot and my son of course is a computer whiz so his name is Nicholas and he helped me a lot and I had lots of support you know my husband was very supportive and everybody was happy and excited for me to, to do this oh. so it was if i had to do it today i'm not sure i could i have the stamina that i had then and i had to take four trains it was like an olympic event <laughs> but you know i did it i did it and so yeah you're funny so gener- <laughs> yeah, i try to be i try to be it keeps me going so um yeah it was an interesting trajectory i got scammed by a lot of um writing predators out there who prey on you know inexperienced writers who don't know the lay of the land of publishing so that that was um a learning experience and um then i got lucky i met a um, wonderful woman who she does blogging so she introduced me to a publicist who didn't have time for me but she gave me a um venue to do my first, my book launch, and that was, you know, right in the heart of Manhattan, and then my husband's business partner was connected with The Strand, which is a famous bookstore, so I got to do an in-conversation talk there, and that's on YouTube, which is frightening. But uh, it's um, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. I met a lot of famous writers who shared their experiences,
0: and um, it's been great. So...
1: So,
0: Jenna Rose, I guess you want to talk about it. Yes, I was going to Um, lead you right there. Maybe just give us a peek into your book since we've figured out how how you got there.
1: Jenna Rose, um, for those of you who haven't read it, it's the, the story of a young girl who's living in an abusive situation, and she uncovers a grandmother she never knew existed who lives on the other side of the country, so she resourcefully takes herself to the doorstep, the Manhattan, Upper west side of Manhattan doorstep of her affluent maternal grandmother. And, it, you know, she meets a street-smart New York neighbor girl, a quirky therapist, a white German shepherd, and her storytelling grandmother, who joined forces to help her overcome the hardships of her past and the shattering family secrets that soon come to light. So it's, it's sad, but it's infused with humor, and New York City street scenes, of course, because that's where I grew up, and literary references while relating a multi-generational family saga and legal thriller. And um, I spent much of my childhood with the women who raised my mother after my biological grandmother died young. And they were born storytellers living on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. And I absorbed those stories, embellished and fictionalized most of them, and turned them into this novel. So that's basically how that happened. And I just kept at it because I'm not one to ever give up. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. And um, now I am uh, I finished another novel, which is very different, but it's still, I was accused um, by the in, the, in conversation, wonderful um, biographer, Tom Piejo who interviewed me at the Strand. And he said, your, your book is so female-centric. So I said, well, Look at me! Yeah, hello. <laughs> like, you know, I'm writing kind of a what I know, and um, anyway, so the next book is exactly that, but it's very involved and um, a lot of research, and it's actually set in Rome, Venice, and the muse worked and put me in Magdalene's Chile. So that is in the hands of my agent. It's a process to find an agent especially at my age, I believe. And I did a lot of querying. I hired a wonderful book coach, who Mark Malatesta, who gave me a huge amount of help. And I landed the perfect agent for me, Carrie Weiner. She has 47 years' experience, and she's such an advocate for all her authors. And she's submitting uh, the manuscript to publishers as we speak. So I'm, I'm nearly finished with the sequel. So, What is the title of that? The title of the of the new yeah, of the, the, the new novel one? that she has oh. is called Vatican Daughter. Oh, okay. It's about yeah, a little scandalous. And the sequel is called Women of a Lesser God. It's the working title. So she she hasn't read that yet, but she's very interested in reading. She's got Jenna Rose now; she's reading it. So Excellent. we'll see what happens with yeah,
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I love the story on your website called "Distractions," where you were in Italy looking for that muse, and the way you wrote that, I actually felt like I was next to you walking around Italy. So it it, it was just such that, a fun thing to read.
1: That was a fun. I was I wrote that on a plane that actually happened we were we were flying back from venice and we were on delta and it was a wonderful flight no bumps just perfect for me and all of a sudden the pilot came on and as you know said oh we have to reroute to halifax someone's sick (laughs) (laughs) oh my god so i actually banged that out on the runway in halifax we were stuck there for two hours but that whole thing You know, happened.
0: I love that. I love that. That was really well written. I enjoyed reading that.
1: Thank you. Thank you for reading it. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I have several short stories.
1: Uh, One, actually, I wrote um, the diary of Phyllis Wheatley. She was, uh, I I never knew about her until I took a slavery through literature class at Sarah Lawrence. And I did, that was my, we had to do conference papers and just massive amounts of, of, uh, you know, research papers and no tests, so I preferred the writing actually to with taking a test. And I I didn't know what to write and the professor suggested I do a stream of consciousness kind of thing. So we had studied Phyllis Wheatley, who was the first Uh, She was a slave poet and taken when she was six and raised by a family in Boston and, you know, not really treated as a slave. So I intuited her and I wrote a diary so that that was published by Review Americana and that's online. So he suggested that be seen by a wider audience, but no one ever has any help. No one ever can tell you what to do and how to do it as far as publishing is concerned or they don't want to. So I had to, you know find a place for that to land. So that's what happened interesting, with that. Interesting. That there. So, yeah, that, that was fun to write as well. And I have, you know, I have a few zingers on my computer that I'm figuring out what to do with, but nothing ever won like this. This was just oh. amazing and was just what I needed in the middle of a horrendous move. So that gave me such a lift.
0: Good. I'm and glad. We're, yeah, I'm Yeah. So was some of this autobiographical? Um,
1: I wouldn't. Uh, I I don't know. I I, I guess it's embellished autobiography. Okay. I mean, not. Uh, it's mostly uh, not true. Okay. But I, you know, I. It's mostly fiction. But I, I, you know, I I spent a lot of time with with uh, you know the, a similar grandmother. She wasn't related, but she was the same. You know feisty kind of person, mm-hmm. and I spent a ton of time, at, I was a city girl, and my parents had moved to the suburbs, and I preferred the city, so I would, at, in those days, you could be 11 and take the bus by yourself, and that's what I would do, so, you know, and she would meet me, and, and her she lived with her sister, so this sister, would took me everywhere, I went to, I saw you know, the ballet at six, and I saw the, you know, Mary Martin on Broadway, and all these people, you know, Rex Harrison, and everything, I, I just you know, absorb the culture of the city and all those places that I mentioned. Wow. I visited. You know, I lived yes, right there. Right. So not in that building, though. That building was too she-she for us. So uh-huh. we lived in lived in a brownstone. But um, wonderful memories. You know. That so that like it. that's how that all came to be. Yeah. And it was you know it was raked over and and changed. Yeah. And um, my thesis reader was a former editor of Harper's. I got so lucky. I mean. He, He's just a great guy, Ben Metcalf, and he, you know, he read it so closely. He took forever. I didn't think I was ever going to finish. He he took longer to read it than I took to <laughs> write it practically. So, um, but I finally got his stuff back and he's fond of colorful words, you know. So he said, well, she can, you know, she can leave it as it is or she can do this and that and the other thing and she can roll up her sleep and rewrite the whole thing or she can say, you know something expletive. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, thanks, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I I was growling a little bit, but then I did it. I rewrote the whole thing from the beginning to the end again. Oh, so, my. you know, persistence pays off. But, you know, that's that's what you have to do. You know, you have to suck it up, as they say.
0: Absolutely. Real was, labor of love. Yeah. Let's talk about the cover. I think that women
1: have to reinvent themselves. I I'm guilty of that. I I mean you, you don't necessarily end up where you started out and so it's kind of a manifestation of all of us. And um, hopefully, you know, if we're not set in our way or struggle you know, we're willing to move on. And I just find I just I didn't want her the character to be a victim. So I I was determined not to have her be a victim, but to be a survivor. So I've gotten a lot of feedback from people who've lived through, you know, similar tra- tragedies or similar situations. And, you know, they really enjoyed the story because it it at the end, it's kind of uplifting. I think it, 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 she's moved on and, you know, I'm sure you always keep your baggage with you, but, you know, you move on. So. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. The cover. Um, I even though it was indie published, I did not use the indie publisher um, for the cover. I paid a I paid a designer to do the cover, and he did many covers, and that that just popped. I, I like that because it's it's simple, and it's to the point. You know, it's just it. I don't know. I think it, it's attractive enough to be you know, draw people in, we'll see, (laughs) not so far, but maybe now, usually you don't, usually writers, if you publish traditionally, you get, you really don't have much choice unless you're, you know, Dan Brown or Stephen King on your, your cover, you don't have much input, they just decide and you go with it because you're so happy to be published.
0: Exactly. (laughs) That's how that works. (laughs) Exactly. That's how that works. take, Take whatever. What about feedback, reader feedback? What have you heard from readers?
1: Uh, I've, um, well, I mostly look at the Amazon. I get, you know, interesting. There's always those, dis- there's one, you know, disgruntled reader. I don't, I, 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 I'm of the old school where if you can't say something nice, you know, let's not say anything. Mm-hmm. So she, she said, oh, it's, it's, it, uh, I hear the gong of the law and order, which I thought was hilarious. I wish, I wish it's been on for decades. I wish, <laughs> I wish you <it> could, uh, <laughs> that was my thought. I laughed, but most of the readers, um, are, most of the reviews are positive. Almost all of them are positive, but it doesn't generate necessarily d- generate sales. So mm-hmm. getting the word out is what generates sales um, and marketing. And I did a lot. I, I did as much as I could. I'm, I'm more of a here, take my book than a, a salesperson. Yeah. But, um, that's what it is, you know. So... Um, you know, it's a lot of luck. You know, it's a lot of it's talent, but it's also a lot of luck. And um, I've been lucky. It takes time. I'm a patient person, but I'm
0: trying. I'm learning to be. <laughs> uh, so Let, let's yeah. talk about marketing because that is kind of a thorn in every author's side. All you want to do is uh, write, and then you've got a. F- I just had an interview with some gal that said, "Oh my gosh, I." She's 77 years old, and she said, "I." can't hardly learn Instagram and Twitter, and I don't want to, but I feel that I have to. So how do you suggest people, whatever their age, approach the idea of marketing without stopping what they're doing and stop writing and, you know, become a marketer? How, how do you manage all that? Well, it's the
1: bane of my existence. I really would rather not do it, but it's, you know, the, the older, famous writers I know who are authors that I'm friends with, you know, that I can... They, they don't do it, but, you know, because I think back in the day, they didn't have to. I mean, and some of them, don't get me wrong, some of them are my age, but they got their early start, you know, so they didn't have to do it back then. They had, you know, their agent or their publisher would give them, you know, the, the little leg up and then whatever was will be, will be. They, I mean, most of them that, with the exception of Dan Brown, who I met, you know, he's He's, he's a whiz at it. Um, he's a wonderful guy. And um, uh, But, you know, most of them don't um, do it. So it's an, it's kind of a, a new phenomenon with all this, you know, interest, Instagram and all that. And I'm on it. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I can't say that it it's helped. And there's one I've gone through. I basically scanned the internet for help and I joined the Authors Guild and they, they're just amazing. They have, they kind of do the work for you, not as far as marketing your book, but as far as putting you in touch with people to advise you. For example, there's Jane Friedman. She is like a writer's writer. I just love her. And she's very warm and inviting. And she's on Facebook. So if you message her, she will respond to you. And she does everything. She'll teach you everything from how to set up a a successful blog to how to market your book effectively and, you know, all kinds of all kinds and how to do the business. I just listened to her, her Sunday business seminar and, you know, it was mostly right over my head because I don't make that kind of money from this book that hopefully someday, maybe it's a second book, but from this book, I didn't make enough money to like, you know, have to do all these spreadsheets and about money coming in and money going out. So that, that was a lot, that was a lot, not just for your book, but for if you do freelance. So most writers don't survive on their book, you know, their published work. They do other things like teach, in an MFA program, or teach, you know, freelance. I do, I dabble in freelance work, and I, what I love to do is help, um, you know, high schoolers who are struggling with their college essays. That's loads of fun, and I do, I do that on the side. But um, as far as marketing, it's it's daunting, you know, and it's just whatever works. There's another uh, website, uh, BookFoxer, John Matthew Fox is, is awesome, and he has all these easy-to-use videos on how to market your book, and he discusses, you know, email newsletters and, and um, also, um, you know, the Facebook ads, and which I have not found to be helpful. I did a Goodreads giveaway, which I don't think helped, although I, I got, connect- I got um, reviewed by Kirkus. And that was that was a good thing, and that every every little bit that you can do gives you a little puts you a little step further. You know, things happen out of nowhere. A friend I went to Columbia with just opened a bookstore in Russian River, um, Books and Letters, in Russian River in California, and he he's he's got a few copies of my book in his store. So you know, he's all for promoting indie authors. So you, you got to find your way and. You know if you keep if you keep at it you do yep. you do yep. so you know i'm not getting any younger so it gets harder mm-hmm. and for people who are older to do this it's really it's really hard but don't give up that's my advice like for for adults that you know are, are trying to get into this now like don't just don't give up and you know
0: just keep at
1: it and be persistent
0: excellent thank you for sharing that <laughs> All right, my friend. Sense. So hey, I want to make sure that we're not missing anything that you wanted to highlight. Is there anything that we need to no, talk I about? I think
1: we, we covered pretty much everything. Okay. I don't, All right. Well, <laughs> ask me some questions. I love hearing from readers. I'm on Facebook. My, I'm happy to give my email. Yes. I, I'm Columbia screens them for me, so it's uh, lowercase jmi2118 at columbia.edu, and you can contact me for a signed copy, or it's available on Amazon, and I'm always happy to talk to a reader, and that's what keeps us going.
0: (laughs) For sure. And your website address?
1: Well, my website is in. Um, it's in the process of being redone. Oh, okay, jo- it's my name, JoniMariaRachi.com. There's one that's in existence right now, but it's being it's being tweaked. So um, that'll be up soon. It's up now, but it'll be changed. All so right. that's that's uh, and I'm on Facebook with you know my name. So and I have an author page on Facebook and I and also a. Yeah, it's a lot to keep up with. Yeah, you know, I go on Facebook, but I'm—I I confess, I'm not. Uh, I put firebird book award all over it, but <laughs> you know, usually I don't. I don't have much to say, but uh, yeah, so it's—it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun.
0: All righty. So, well-,
1: well, you keep you keep doing what you do because it's
0: amazing, and anything I can ever do to help you, you just. Just contact me and let me know, and I'm there. You're very, very kind. We're speaking with Joni Arachi, and her book is titled Reinventing Jenna Rose. Thank you so much. I was just so looking forward to getting to know you and sharing you and your work with everyone. And so as the next books come along, feel free to share them with us as well. I sure will, and thank you, Pat. This has been wonderful.